This episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast was brought to you by Navigating North, a five-day virtual summit to help you discover your purpose in business, life, and leadership. Learn more at navigatingnorthsummit.com. All around the world, people are floundering. There's something missing, something more that they just can't grasp. Do you feel it too? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Every week, host Kevin Monroe will help you navigate to your true north and flourish in faith, business, and life. You found us for a reason. Stay tuned to find out why. Hey, it's Kevin Monroe, and I want to welcome you to Episode 8 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Over the first seven episodes, we we spent time establishing the foundations for higher purpose and getting you to think about the higher purpose for your life and leadership. I want to thank you for your incredible feedback. I'm truly blown away by the receptivity to this podcast so far. And I appreciate everyone who's invested time to share a review of the podcast, uh, especially those that have done it on iTunes. Uh, Besides being a great way to help others find the podcast, it's insightful to me for discovering what's resonating with you. Real and raw. That's how my friend PJ Simmons described it. Susan wrote, Kevin keeps it real. Well, thanks, Susan, and that is one of my goals. Todd, he suggests listening to the podcast over a cup of coffee. Wow, I love that, Todd. That's my hope, that as you listen You see us having a conversation, and I look forward to sitting down with you and us doing that at some point. As a matter of fact, I just did that recently in Bozeman, Montana. I was there at the invitation of my friend, Robert Fukui, to celebrate the completion of their first Purpose-Led Accelerator, uh, a two-month program helping uh, purpose-led business owners and entrepreneurs figure out how to integrate and express purpose through their businesses. So I was right at home with the folks in Bozeman. And while I was there, I had the opportunity to connect in conversations over breakfast, lunch, and dinner with some new friends. And some of them had been listening to the podcast. And I loved hearing how the podcast, and in specific, how certain episodes of the podcast had been really helpful to them. Linda mentioned that the Mark Tim episode arrived just on time and provided some vital insights as she and her family were considering the role of family in business. Wow, that that just excites me and it delights me. Now let's focus on today. If you've been listening, you know that one of the commitments I've made is to keep it real. Well, that commitment to keeping it real is what's inspired us to adopt a theme for the next four episodes. We're talking about purpose at work. And I've invited some amazing friends to join us over the next few weeks and share their insights and experiences of tapping into the power of purpose in the workplace. For many of you, work is one area. Perhaps it's the area of life that that gets about as real as it gets. Depending on the part of the world you live in and how you carve the data, you spend more than one-third of your waking hours working if you look at the 50-year lifespan that most people are working now. And that one-third includes weekends, holidays, and vacation. Now, 
if you look at specific work days, and if you work the normal work week, you know, like Monday to Friday or something, as so many do, you actually spend more than 50% of your waking hours of work days working. And if you live in a metropolitan area like I do, and you add commute time to that, which I am so glad I don't have to commute on a daily basis, well, you get the, pure, you get the picture. Work occupies a lot of your life. And for many of you, even if you're not technically working at the time, work is still occupying your mind. There, there are thoughts about work. There, there are issues from work. There are encounters that are bleeding over into your personal life. And for those that are, are in the worst situations of all, and, and I mean, this really hurts my heart. My heart goes out to you if you're in this situation. That on Sunday afternoon, while you're in the weekend, Your weekend begins to darken because you're thinking about having to return to work on Monday morning. Folks, Monday morning should not be filled with doom and gloom. I want you to love Mondays every bit as much as you enjoy a Friday afternoon and that work is is providing meaning and purpose in your life and it's not just consuming your life. So here's a comment I received earlier this year in response to a survey I conducted. The question asked was, quote, how can I best help you to fulfill your life and and purpose in 2017, end quote. Now, this one answer stays with me. It actually fuels me in the work I do to help you connect to higher purpose in life and leadership. Here's the comment. And again, this is a quote I'm reading. Every fiber of my being is screaming that I'm not fulfilling my life purpose. I am destined for so much more and to help others in so many more ways. Help me break out of this hamster wheel and brainstorm with me the possibilities of what's next. End quote. Now, folks, seriously, that quotation lingers in my mind. And and that was an anonymous response to a broadcast survey. Well, I found the person who submitted that answer. And I connected with them, and we began brainstorming of what is next. So in today's episode, I'm launching this Purpose at Work series with a solo session. It's just me and you exploring what it means to find purpose at work with the hope that if you feel like you're on the hamster wheel, we can get you off the hamster wheel. And we can help you either find a fresh perspective for purpose at work, and if that's not possible, help you find the courage to make the transition to find work that does allow purpose and meaning at work. So this whole idea of purpose at work is a topic that is near and dear to my heart for lots of reasons. But one of those reasons is intensely personal. And I want to start there. It's about my dad. My dad's name was Bill Monroe. Now, he was not the bluegrass pioneer, Bill Monroe, although he loved it anytime he was mistaken for being that Bill Monroe. You see, my dad was a member of the greatest generation. He was one of 10 kids who grew up in the hard times of the Great Depression. He and my mom were two of the hardest working people I have ever known, without a doubt. And it's not just me. Other people will attest to that as well. 
Now, many times in my teenage years, I remember my dad sitting me down often in, in, in their bedroom, and I'm, I'm sitting on the ottoman. I still remember this, sitting on the ottoman, and my dad would say, Kevin, find work you love doing because you spend so many of your waking hours working. Now, these were not idle words from my dad. My dad had been a civil servant working at Robbins Air Force Base in, in one of Robbins, Georgia, and he hated the job. And he traded the security of that government job for the freedom of entrepreneurship before it was cool to be an entrepreneur. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure my dad never called himself an entrepreneur. I'm not even sure if he knew the word entrepreneur, but he was an entrepreneur. My dad owned a charter bus company and chose to work 60, 70 sometimes 80 hours a week or more at a job he loved so he would not have to waste away at a 40-hour-a-week job he loathed. I think many of you can relate. My dad's words and example inspired me then, and they continue inspiring me even now. When you look around, you notice the world of work has changed, and it is changing. Some people call it the purpose revolution. Uh, just last week, we did. I was blessed to do a webinar with Steelcase and DeKalb Office, and we were talking about transforming work in the purpose economy. Uh, you know, I believe millennials are fueling the desire and the demand, even the demand for purpose. But let me remind you, it didn't start with the millennials. The desire for meaningful work, it's ageless. Now, some people are misinformed. I hope you're not one of them. Some people believe work is evil. Now, let me assure you, there are some bosses who are evil. I've worked for some of those. And there's some workplaces that are evil, that suck the life out of people. But work is inherently good. Historically, even theologically speaking, if you'll let me do so, Adam, the first Adam in the Bible, was given work to do in the Garden of Eden before the fall. That's right. Before the fall, Adam was given work to do. Work brought dignity, meaning into his life. Work was not part of the curse, as some of us think it is. Let me repeat that. Work was not part of the curse. However, the nature of work fell under the curse as a result of the fall of man, and work changed. Rather than working in harmony with creation, after the fall, there was enmity between humanity, Adam and all of his ancestors, and the created order. Thorns, thistles, and sweat entered the equation. Why? Well, I'd like to know what it was like to work without sweat. Wouldn't that be interesting? But before exploring a few keys to finding purpose at work, there's one misunderstanding that, that I just feel compelled to address. And perhaps it's because it's a, a misunderstanding that I've had. Yeah, and I've, pops, and I've uh, probably perpetuated it some. 
It's this misunderstanding that, that goes to this one saying, find a job or work that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You've heard that, right? Find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, in my limited research, it's hard to find who really said it. Some people attribute it to Confucius, and granted, it does have a Confucian sound to it. Find work that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But in the time Confucius lived, career choice didn't even exist. So it's highly unlikely Confucius said it. Now, maybe you know, and maybe you can set the record straight for us. And let us know who actually said that. But let's not worry about the original source now. Let's focus on the misconception. Find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. So you'll pay me to eat bonbons and binge on Netflix all day? Is that what you're saying? Sign me up. Some of you may be thinking, no, 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 no. We're not advocating slothfulness with this saying. It's not find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life, nor does it mean that you will not have to work long hours or sometimes toil away at taxing problems or plow through to meet a looming deadline. Let me tell you, I love what I do. I mean, I actually love what I do in my work through X Factor Consulting. But let me assure you, let me remove all doubt that there are some days when work, and I mean capital W, capital O, capital R, capital K, work is involved, and sometimes even long hours of hard, tedious work at times, right? But when the work is meaningful, there's joy, even in the menial task. That's worth repeating. When the work is meaningful, there's joy, even in the menial task. And I believe that's really what this, this saying is about. When you find work that you love, it doesn't seem like work. That's very different from it never being like work. So there are times that it does involve you know, lots of effort, lots of sweat equity to really plow through to meaning and purpose in work. But the purpose of your work, it empowers you to persevere, and, and you either find or make meaning even in the menial and mundane task of your work. And for me, that's one of the great purposes, or, or, or that's one of the great benefits of purpose at work. So now let's talk about some keys to finding purpose at work or meaning through work. And I've got six that I'm going to share with you. This is not an exhaustive list. I'm hoping that you'll contribute to the list through the discussions that we'll, we'll have over at the Higher Purpose community, which you can find at livehigherpurpose.com, livehigherpurpose.com. So I want to walk you through these six. Number one, and for you that know me well, you're not going to be surprised that when I talk about why you work being kind of the first one that I, I see, why you work. Perhaps you're part of an organization that has a great and noble why. You might be working to relieve suffering, alleviate poverty, correct injustices, you know, make wrongs right. And all of that is awesome. 
When your organization serves a noble mission, it absolutely elevates the work. So if you're in healthcare, if you're in education, or if you're in social services, there is a direct connection between why of your organization and great work. So purpose when your when your organization serves a noble purpose it elevates the work even if your job seems ignoble to others you know in this series you're going to hear from Gary Ridge Gary's the CEO of the WD40 company you know WD40 the amazing lubricant in the blue and yellow can that you use to you know stop squeaks and to to get things working easier well i love it that that here's a company that to some people is probably not solving uh, world hunger, you know, not addressing one of the big evils of the world. But you'll hear from Gary how they found their why. And and it's, it's more audacious than just selling more cans of lubricant. Here's the why of the WD-40 company. And I love this. So let me read it to you. We exist to create positive, lasting memories in everything we do. We solve problems. We make things work smoothly. We create opportunities. That's their why. Now, I can't wait for you to hear more on that from Gary himself. So I don't want to unpack that for you, but I just want to say it's amazing that I believe every one of us, every one of you can find a why to your work. And hopefully your organizations find a why so that you're part of a team that's doing something amazing. But if your organization has not yet found its why, that doesn't prevent you from finding yours. So Perhaps your why is personal. Your company is ordinary. Your job may even be mundane, yet your why can be magnificent. And when you have a magnificent why, either personally or organizationally, it it allows you to find meaning in the mundane and the menial. And you'll hear me talk about that a lot because I just think there's so much of life I remember one night being part of a small group, and I kind of had this epiphany uh, talking about Jesus. You know, he spent 30 years preparing for three years of public ministry. And all of a sudden, I realized for the first time in my life that even Jesus, much of his life would be considered mundane by our standards. Yet it was all meaningful. So don't mistake mundane for being without meaning. Purpose and why empowers the the menial and the mundane with meaning. I want to talk about a few of those. Many custodians in hospitals, and I was recently talking to a friend of mine whose brother-in-law is one of these. They don't see their jobs as just mopping floors or cleaning up messes. No, they have a why where they see their personal mission as a custodian being the prevention of the spreading of germs and infection, that they are part of the caregiver team and they have a vital role to serve. Isn't that great? Now, my dad, I mentioned that he owned a charter bus company. 
What he did a lot of that times was drive buses. But my dad did not see himself as a mere bus driver. Oh, no, no, no. My dad was a maker of memories, and he was an entertainer. And my dad's favorite group of the people on the planet to work with were senior citizens. And he did his very best to make memories and, and to entertain the senior citizens he was fortunate to serve. And that rubbed off on me. Gave me a great love for senior citizens. Another friend and mentor of mine, Erie Chapman, has uh, written several books. One of my favorites is Radical Loving Care. He's a formal former hospital CEO, lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Erie tells the story of Lois Powers. Lois was a cashier in the cafeteria at Baptist Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. And in that job, she found a way to interject kindness into every single encounter. She did this by making eye contact, lifting the spirits of others with a kind word or a joke, a funny comment, or even a healing touch with every person coming through her line. She offered connection and encouragement. Erie talks about coming, going into the cafeteria and there'd be three or four lines and Lois's would be the longest. Because you see, the other people saw themselves as just a cashier. But Lois saw herself as a caregiver. And she transformed that work. She transformed the transaction of you paying for your breakfast, lunch, or dinner to a meaningful encounter. And people lined up. Erie would go to the, the cafeteria and notice that her line is four or five times longer than the others. And they would suggest, hey, do you want, no, no, I'll wait, I'll wait. Because the, the opportunity to encounter Lois elevated the experience of their life, their day. And it gave them hope, even in difficult circumstances. I love that. That's a gift. That is a gift in action. It reminds me of the story made popular by by uh, man management great Peter Drucker of the three stonecutters in medieval times. A visitor happens onto a construction site and, and walks around the site and, and encounters different stonecutters. The first stonecutter, he asks, what are you doing? The reply was, I'm making a living. I cut stone." The visitor walks a little further and encounters a second and asks him, what are you doing? And he responded, sir, I am doing the, the best job of stone cutting in the entire country. I am an expert stone cutter. He continued on and he came upon a, a third and the third there, there was something different about the way he approached his work. There, there was a gleam in his eye and, and there was a, you know, a, a lift in the way he was cutting stone. And he asked him, said, sir, what are you doing? He looked at him and he replied, I am building a cathedral. So you see this why. You, you can do the same work as someone else, but your why can elevate how you do it, why you do it, and bring a level of excellence to it that, that others can't even imagine and that it inspires those around you.
So why you work is is reason one, one way to find purpose or meaning at work. A second reason is actually what you do. For those of you that are blessed with the opportunity to use your gift, talent, skill, and ability every day in your work, well, you are fortunate. Maybe you work in a caring profession, as we were just talking about, in a hospital, in some kind of health-giving profession. You work in a health-giving profession, uh, doctor's office, dentist, whatever that is, hospital, nursing home. And, And you get to use your skills and your gifts to really care for people. Or maybe you're an educator and you're a teacher or a college professor or a tutor and you get to use a very specific skill every day. Well, that's a blessing. So what you do. Or maybe you get to use your skills and it's not so much the skill that you have in the work you do, but it's in what you, how you work with your colleagues and how you all together apply creativity to the challenges you have. So it's not so much that you're working in a a great area of your gifting, but you're using your other gifting for a great purpose. So number one, why you work. Number two, what you do. Now a third reason, or a third way people find purpose at work, and this may be true for a lot of you, it's what work makes possible. It's not so much the work itself. It's not even why you work. And and sometimes you're, 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 you're kind of struggling with the purpose at work. But your work makes what you do away from work possible. And you find great joy in that. And so I, I've met a lot of people that have chosen work they enjoy because that work stays in a box. That work allows them to to work the hours they they work and then when they leave work to leave work at work, you know, and, and then go into a hobby, go into a philanthropic in, involvement, go into leisure activity or volunteer activity or family activity and and find meaning and purpose there. So the the meaning and purpose they find at work is really through work. It's not so much at the job itself, but it's what the job allows me to do in the other time of my life. And folks, that counts. That's fine. It's what work makes possible. So the fourth key to finding purpose at work, and hey, you may have a combination of these, or it may just be any one of these, or it could be all of these. But who benefits from your work directly and indirectly? You know, as I said, some of you may be in a caregiving profession or a teaching profession to where you have the direct interaction with the recipients of your work. And and it's just one-on-one and you see it every day. But then there are others who, who maybe work in factories And I love the story of Medtronic, a large medical equipment manufacturer. And Medtronic stumbled upon a brilliant idea because in their factory, they were distant. They were removed from the beneficiaries of the 
uh, products they were creating. And they began finding people who had been uh, medical patients, who had received therapies made possible by Medtronic's equipment, and began bringing them into the factory and letting them tell their story of how the Medtronic medical device had saved their life, had improved their health, or changed their lifestyle. And so folks on the factory floor who were disconnected from the beneficiaries of their work all of a sudden had a connection, and it improved dramatically outcomes and morale. Adam Grant shares a story from his research. Working with call, centers employee, with call center employees, yes, that means telemarketers, and, and if you've ever done any kind of telemarketing, you know that can be a thankless job and, and uh, have opportunity for low morale. Well, this happened to be telemarketers or call center employees at a university whose job was to contact alumni, inviting them to support the scholarship fund. The intervention they introduced was at the beginning of a shift, bringing in a scholarship recipient whose name was Will, and letting Will share his story of how he would not have been able to attend college at all, especially this university, apart from the scholarship fund. And what the scholarship fund was making possible in his learning experience and in his future career. Well, the results soared. The call center employees spent more time on calls and had a 171% increase in revenues. So how can you personalize the work you do if you are disconnected from who benefits from your work? How can you personalize it? And how can you begin to focus on who benefits? You know, a lot of work I do with nonprofits, we've always encouraged boards, the, the, the volunteer leaders of the organizations, to have mission moments in their meetings. So they are constantly reconnected to the importance of the mission and how the mission is benefiting, positively affecting the lives of those served. So who benefits from your work? The fifth way, how you work, how you actually do your work. And and for this insight, I have to thank Howard Bihar. Howard Bihar was one of the insiders in the early years, the building of Starbucks. He was the first president of Starbucks International and a great servant leader. And I met Howard through our mutual love for servant leadership. And Howard advocates this great principle. Let him who sweeps the floor choose the broom. Let me say that again. Let him who sweeps the floor choose the broom. Well, what does Howard mean by that? He means empower people with autonomy. Let people choose how they do the work. If, If they're given a job to do, allow them to interject themselves in how they do it. Uh, Allow them to rise to the challenge and give autonomy to solve problems, to bring innovation, 
creativity to the work they do. In other words, bring your brain to work and invest yourself in how you do your work. So choosing how you do your work. My friends over at Steelcase that I've been fortunate to work with in in, uh, last year or so, they see that this is one of the great ways. You know, allowing workers autonomy over where they work, how they work, the place at work, the work environment, all of that, that, that bringing choice, allowing people to exercise autonomy about their work is powerful to finding meaning or purpose at work. And then the sixth one that I'm going to share is who you work with. And some of you really get this. You understand that the who you work with, your coworkers, are what, what bring purpose to life at work. That sometimes it's not so, you, you, you may have a tough job, but you work with a great group of people and you together have found a way to interact with one another, to invest in one another, to build into the lives of one another. And by doing so, you've, you've increased purpose and meaning at work. Now, our friends over at the Gallup organization, they have found in their work around employee engagement that having a best friend at work is critical to job satisfaction and high degrees of employee engagement. So who you work with is really critical. So the six ways that that I'm sharing in, in today's episode of how you can find purpose or meaning at work. Number one, why you work. Number two, what you actually do while you're at work. Number three, what work makes possible for you. Number four, who benefits from your work. Number five, how you work. And number six, who you work with. Well, let me wrap up today's episode by saying that sometimes you find purpose and meaning in work, and then there are times when purpose and meaning find you. It's as you're going through the job that all of a sudden, like the folks at Medtronic, they found purpose and meaning by connecting to the end users of the product. So sometimes you you find or choose purpose or meaning, times it finds you. Hey, if you are flourishing in your work, I'd love to hear about it. Did you follow one of these paths that we discussed today to finding purpose, meaning, and fulfillment at work? Or was there some other path? As I said earlier, we're discussing this at the Higher Purpose community and would love for you to weigh in on the discussion there. And if you're floundering instead of flourishing, and if you're like the the friend I mentioned at the very early part that you want to get off the hamster wheel. I want to invite you to join our five-day Purpose at Work Challenge. And let's see if together we can help you get off the hamster wheel and onto the higher purpose pathway. Join me for the five-day challenge to find or better yet choose purpose and meaning in your work. Stay tuned to learn more about the five-day challenge. And remember, you were meant for more. Why would you ever settle for less? Until next time, it's Kevin. If you feel like you don't have purpose at work or you want to clarify your purpose at work, we have a free five-day email course you can take with daily challenges and action steps to help bring the meaning you are meant to have in your everyday life. 
go to kevinmonroe.com slash workpurpose.